Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Guy from Guy's Woodshop, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Hui Huen, also known as the Alabama Woodworker. Good evening, Guy. Good evening, Hui. And Brian Schmidt. Hello, friends. Hello. Brian Brian doesn't have any handle. He still doesn't have any no. social no, media. No, but yeah, update, update to come at the end of the podcast. Dude, it's February. It's February. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It's got to be announced on this podcast or I'm going to miss my mid-February deadline. All right. So this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking committee. Committee. There's probably a a woodworking committee out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how things we get done in our own shops. And we also have a Patreon account. Right now we have one level and we're simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. So please go to patreon.com slash woodshoplife. And also stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our shops and Brian's new social media. So let's get right into it. Hui, you've got the first question. All right. This question is from Bob Brown. And he asks, I've been given a mission to make a wooden serving dish. The shape is basically an elongated oval. Dimensions are 21 inches by 9 inches by 1 and a half inches. My patron, hum hum, called the design a fish platter. I think he's his patron. Is that his wife? I don't know. Uh, wood will probably be walnut. The walls of the dish are to be sloped and just slightly curved with some handwork. I think I can can achieve the outside wall of the dish. The, the issue creating the most question for me is how to do the inside wall of the dish. I have seen plenty of bowl and tray bottom router bits all cut a vertical wall. Bevel router bits I have seen have a bearing on the bottom. The bearing would interfere with the bottom of the dish. Because of the inside and outside curve of the wall, I doubt if making a custom scratch stock would yield good results. Scratch stock being a piece of metal that he puts a burr on and and, and uh, carves out uh, or scrapes out the inside. I don't want to get into the CNC rabbit hole. Any thoughts? You have a great podcast to provide a valuable service to the woodworking community. Cheers, Bob. Well, Bob, that's why we're here is because... We love the woodworking community. So uh, what uh, Bob is talking about is, at least what I can envision, is a a relatively shallow but widely sloped uh, uh, fish platter, about 21 inches long, 9 inches wide. So it's going to be longer than it is wide, obviously, uh, and one and a half inches thick or tall with regards to the bottom of the tray to the top of the tray. My thought is that you would have to use some type of uh, a dishing or cove bit. And what I would suggest, I've seen this, I believe it was Woodsmith Magazine, is that you can make somewhat of a gantry that your router would fit into and create a, a nice long slope and both sides are matching and then create uh, some type of a rack that the router sits on or, or sled that the router sits on and then, yeah, yeah, I can see a guy over there doing that. Yep. So you're going to make that slope. <laughs> that's <laughs> like really that. exciting talk <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what Guy's doing right there. See him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you see? No, because everybody's hearing. Um, but really what it is, it's it's just this sloped 
uh, uh, rails on either side and you're going to have to secure that dish in some way. At least that's how I would do it. Guy, any thoughts on something different? I, I do I have, still I have, think he's... I have three words. Core box bit. There you go. Core box bit. Okay. It's, this is this is only an inch and a half deep. He's not making a salad bowl. So True. it doesn't have to have that drastic of a curve. Core box bit, uh, for people that don't know, it's, it's a bit, it's rounded on the bottom and it's got mm -hmm. a top mounted bearing. Mm -hmm. So you can mm -hmm. create, and this, it's, for, for what Bob is describing, that's what it's made for, mm -hmm. is to make shallow dishes and have a curved wall. And you can get core box bits in all kinds of radius. So you can get like a three quarter inch radius mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. core box bit. That's a big bit, three quarter inch radius. Yeah. Um, but most of the ones that I've seen, I, I know I have a half inch that I've used a couple times. You just make a template and put it on mm -hmm. there and route out the edges and... You're, you're good to go. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Bob's your uncle. Well, Bob is a well, Bob is a listener. Yeah. He's what do you think, Brian? <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be an elongated oval, he said. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that if depending on how much of a slope he wanted to that wall, if he mm -hmm. wanted to to have something a little more, um, I, I guess maybe more subtle with that slope. That he might even just get a grinder and uh, some sort of a, a disc or attachment to that, and and hollow out, hollow out the center of it that way, and sort of hand shape the wall or the slope, depending on if it's intended to be more of a flat tray mm. as opposed to uh, to uh, you know a wa uh, having walls on the side. Yeah. So mm. so you're talking like a cuts all bit, mm -hmm. those yeah or cuts all discs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. So that is a good idea. It's an option. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know a lot of guys that, that carve out seats with those things. And then you mm -hmm. sand them afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they work pretty well. I know mm -hmm. I've used one quite often to do uh, fake live edge stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an article in Fine Woodworking from March 15th, 2021 by Danny Camerath that talks about tools for power carving. And they've got a few different examples referenced mm. in there um, for Bob. If, if, uh, if you've got access to the fine woodworking archives, March 15th, 2021, the tools for power carving. Yeah. That's, that's a good, it's a good idea. Yeah. Well added. Well right. added. All right. Well, I hope that helps Bob and Brian has the next question. All right. My first question is from Paul at Twin Lake Woodshop. Woodshop, excuse me. Good evening, everyone. Wanted to reach out to you about time in the shop. I'm expecting my second child in a matter of days and was curious how you all find or found time in the shop with little kids running around and being constantly tired. Well, Paul, congratulations. I think uh, this question was submitted a few weeks ago, so you've probably had the second child. Congrats. Um, so, Paul, yes, I have little kids as well, five, nine, and 11. And what I've found works really well for me, two things. One, uh, I like to find time that I can be in the shop where nobody even knows I'm in the shop. And that way I'm not making a choice between spending time with the kids or even time with my wife uh, as opposed to spending time in the shop. So I get up early and I'll spend half an hour, 45 minutes in the shop before I go to work in the morning. And I've had days where in doing that, 
I'll come down here. I'll stand around. I'll look around for a half hour and let the coffee just kind of <laughs> get me awake. And I really don't get anything done. And that's fine and all, but I've got such limited time that I get frustrated with myself when that happens. So lately I've focused on setting an objective for myself when I'm in the shop. And as I've been working on my, my own workbench project, I've, I've got a whiteboard in here and I've got the next 10 things that need to be done to that bench listed out there. And every time I come in the shop, I'm immediately ready to get fo get focused and working on that very next thing. So chipping away at it a little bit at a time. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the four or six hour days in the shop that some people might have the opportunity to have, but for me, it's, it's what's available. And I, I find great fulfillment in that. All right. Yeah. 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 yeah, man, you've got to make use of the little bit of time that you have in the shop and, and, I, I feel now with, excuse me, by the way, my son just turned one today. Oh, oh congratulations. Yeah, cool. So he's one. And uh, yeah, he's getting into everything and it, it, it it's difficult. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't, I'd hate to have sacrificed that time for time in the shop. Uh, that being said, time in the shop is very valuable. You know, it does bring me a lot of enjoyment and we do, my wife and I do allocate time for each other to have sort of alone time to do things that are of great value to, to, to each of us. My wife is a ballet instructor and she loves teaching little girls and little kids how to, how to dance. And she does that about four hours out, five hours out of the week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so that's the time that she gets and I'm watching the kids and vice versa. You know, I get a couple of hours, a few hours here and there to, to go out in the shop, but there are weeks just like you, Brian, where you don't have hardly any time because there's just, you know, stuff that you got to do with the kiddos and go mm -hmm. all over the place. All that to be being said is that while we do allocate time, there's also uh, weeks where we can't allocate any time at all. And you, just kind of have to go with the flow. And I think what you said, Brian, is great. You, you kind of make a list. And if there's a big task on that list, then you kind of chip away at it, right? Or set yep. something up, you know, go and go with the mindset with the intention of I'm going to get that one little thing done. And if it only takes me 15 minutes, I got it done. Yep. And you get a quick win. Yep. Guy, I, I know you don't have kids at home anymore. Um, yeah, the only thing I can really suggest is cage them. <laughs> right, right. Are, you, are you allowed to do that these days no, you gotta play back in my right. day we used to just put them in cages no i'm just kidding um yeah that's that's a that's a tough thing and, and i i think uh brian we you guys both hit the nail on the head spend the time with the kids because you'll never get that time back mm -hmm. and spend what time you can in the shop but as brian very succinctly put it make that time that you do have in the shop count. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's the only yeah. thing I can suggest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's important. You know, we, I like the way you described it too, that you need some of that alone time sometimes to, mm -hmm. to just do your own self care. And especially with a little kid, it can be, I mean, you're just giving, giving, giving all day long. And if you don't take time to care for yourself and to care for, um, you know, your needs, your spouse's needs, you know, you get, you're going to run yourself to empty and that's not a, you know, that's not a good thing or that's not a helpful thing. Um, 
in parenting. So, mm-hmm. you know, find time to, to take care of yourself and do that thing that, that fills your bucket back up. Um, and don't feel bad about it because you'll be a better parent for it. Um, it's all about balance and uh, maintaining priorities. Last, last note I have on that, though, Paul, is I kind of skipped over the part about finding time and being constantly tired is if you're fatigued in a workshop, that, that's a recipe for disaster. So mm-hmm. when you are in the shop, try to find try to find, you know, time to do it when you're the least tired. And if you are tired and you're worried about your focus or concentration, uh, focus on an activity that that you won't lose a finger on or or worse, because yeah. it's it's when you're tired that accidents are most likely to happen. It's a good point. For real. It's a good yep. point. Good point. Good point. All right. This next question comes from Jeff. And Jeff says, you guys have mentioned water-based conversion varnish and that you can get it pigmented. I hate painting wood pe- <laughs> woodworking projects, but the wife wants what she wants. Why do you <laughs> prefer conversion varnish? And is there a certain product you prefer? I have a five-stage Apollo sprayer, so spraying shouldn't be a problem. And uh, I live on the south side of Indianapolis. Well, no kidding. So it isn't the easiest place to get supplies. Thanks, Jeff. Well, the the last part of the question, you know, I live on the south side of Indianapolis. I live on the north side. Brian lives on the west side. And all this stuff is available from a a wonderful place that's called the Internet. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything get deli- can get delivered. This time of year, though, mm. ordering uh, water-based finishes via mail order or the internet is not a really good idea because yep. it will freeze. And mm-hmm. once it freezes, it's, it's toast. So I always tend to order stuff in the – if I know I'm going to be doing some stuff in the, in the wintertime, I'll order it in the fall where I know it isn't going to freeze. Anyways, why do I use water-based conversion varnish? Well, the reason is, is it's a very hard finish. It's very durable. It's very easy to spray. Uh, Since it is water-based, it dries fairly quickly. Um, It's repairable. It's Mm -hmm. just a really good finish. I I sprayed last weekend and did a couple pieces and you know, cleaned up the gun real quick with just water, and it was wonderful. Um, the pigmented stuff is nice because it's not like latex paint. I mean, you spray it, it's and it's pigmented with the color, and it just comes out really nice and flat, and it's it's just wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. All I can say is it's good. Yeah. Uh, Hui, yeah. I know you you use conversion varnish too. Yeah, so I've used, uh, I don't know if it's technically water-based conversion varnish, but it's it's Chemaqua Plus, I think That's it is. water-based, yeah. It's, uh, yes, I know it's water-based. I'm not exactly sure if it's technically conversion varnish, water-based conversion. But whatever it is, it's a pigmented water-based uh, finish that is, just like you said, Guy, very hard, easy to spray, atomizes really well. I like the fact that I don't have to use a solvent to clean the gun and to clean my tools. Um, and so I try to just stick with water-based finishes as of late. And the oil finishes that I do use are going to be either brushed on or wiped on. Um, with that being said, uh, 
I, I've gotten my stuff because Chem Aqua Plus is a Sherwin-Williams prod, uh, product, so I've gotten it through Sherwin-Williams, but I believe Chem Aqua Plus has been since discontinued. Don't quote me on that, but I haven't been able to get it. But I believe Sherwin-Williams just purchased Sayerlac, and I believe now uh, Sherwin-Williams is carrying Sayerlac. Yeah, which you, is if you get that from Sherwin Williams, you have to go to the commercial Sherwin Williams. You can't go to the, co- the, the residential correct. paint stores. Correct, correct. It is a different, um, a different place that you order it from. So it, you know, if you've got a local Sherwin Williams that has, uh, I think it's called your commercial product store, or or what? Uh, uh, usually, if it, it might be in your area, if not, you can still order it. So um, you know, check that out. Uh, Brian, uh, you, you do. Uh, I know one of the last projects you had was, quote unquote, painted. Was it paint? Was it enamel? What 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 was it? Yeah. So whenever whenever I install built-in, um, part of part of the uh, the initial conversation with the client is that uh, enjoy woodworking. Think I'm think I do an okay enough job to to have the conversation about putting something in their home but I'm a lousy painter and they don't want me <laughs> and they don't want me painting their projects. So um, I'll install it paint ready, uh, but it's up to them to either paint themselves or, or hire out to a painter. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. And so far it's worked. I mean, it's worked great for, for me because I haven't had to, to mess around with any of that. And it allows me to get things done in my shop a lot quicker since I'm hmm. not having to um, think about, the finishing here and transportation without damaging and things like that. Yeah. I imagine particularly for bigger things that are set into the wall that uh, it's going to be a lot harder for you to do that type of spraying or, or, or finishing in your shop. Yeah. 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 And I just, even if, even if I could, cause I probably could, if I, if I wanted to, I don't, I don't enjoy that. So, um, the the whole thing is sort of for for um it would it would it would kind of suck the fun out of it if i was mm-hmm. if i was having to to do that type of finishing um now i have found a local shop it's mostly a cnc shop but they they also do finishing and i've actually considered because i think it's like a hundred dollars an hour to have them do the spraying i've considered in the future because i'm, I'm not I don't particularly enjoy spraying pigmented stuff, um, but I'll do it. Um, yeah. it. It's just, you know, the setup and everything. So I've actually considered in the future when I'm doing uh, cabinets or, or, or uh, standalone cabinet pieces, actually uh, sourcing that out. I, yeah. like, I like Brian's idea. I'm just not going to paint it. <laughs> I mean, I'll right, it's a, but, but it's right. It's bad. It's bad value for them because one, I'm slow and it's yeah. going to, it's going to cost some money for something that's not going to look any better than if they had done it themselves and they could probably hire it out to a professional for cheaper than what I would have to charge them for it. Mm-hmm. And, and that professional is going to do a better yeah. job than I would. So, yeah. so to me, it's, it's, it's a, you know, I don't feel like I'm delivering good value if they're paying me to, to paint it. And that's, it's yeah. a big part that's, of uh, why, you know, one, one other thing I, w- I want to add is, um, you mentioned Sharon Williams. I'm not a big fan of Sharon Williams. I know. Um, and it's mostly because the, 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 the commercial store here, the guys are just jerks. Yep. Um, I understand. 
I order mostly from Target products. Mm-hmm. They're out in New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. The stuff comes really quick. If you get on their mailing list, they constantly have 20 to 30% off. Yes. It's like every single week I get an email. Two days left, 25% off. <laughs> so um, their stuff is very good, very well priced. They they use the same color charts as Sherwin-Williams and um, Benjamin, Benjamin Moore. Moore. Yeah. So if if you want to pick out a color, you can even go to like an Ace Hardware that sells Benjamin Moore and get get their color chits and pick a color and they'll pigment it to that color. So that's just a, a tip. Um, if you, you never have to leave your house, just let your fingers do the walking. Yeah. Can, can I? Yeah. Can I ask a question about so when you when you get conversion varnish pigmented? Is that something where where you're doing what you described there, and you're telling telling the supplier this is the color I want, or are you actually able to to play around with the color yourself? You can uh, play around the color if you if if you so choose. Are but, you using a dye to do that, or how no, are you how are you adjusting that color? If you want to adjust the color, you'd have to get like two separate cans of of, of finish. So if you okay. want to lighten the color that's a tint, you add white to it. If you want to mm-hmm. darken the color, that's a shade of, you add black to it. So mm-hmm. that's how you would do it. Okay. Um, as far as like, if you need this Benjamin Col- Benjamin Moore color, that's, you know, seafoam green number 2835. They've got a, just a drop down. You choose Benjamin Moore and number right. 2385, and they'll just mm-hmm. mix it for you. Yeah. Are there any disadvantages to using a uh, water-based conversion varnish? No, I don't see any. Not that I know of. I see only advantages. I, main use, main reason I use water-based stuff is because I used to use. I've used lacquer quite a few times. It just stinks oh, the whole house up. Yes, and not for just like a couple hours. For days, mm-hmm. uh, it's horrible. Yeah, it'll make you lightheaded. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't like spraying it in the house. Yeah, I did that once, and I'm I'd never do. I swear I'd never do it yeah. again. The only the only thing I've sprayed also a lot of is water based polyurethane. Yeah, but I yeah. found the water based conversion varnish has a harder finish, and I think it's easier to work with. Have you guys heard about? I think it's uh, Gemini. They've been around for a while. I think right. Mm-hmm. Gemini is that right? Yeah, um, I think they've they've been making a huge push in the water based yeah um, realm. Yeah. So anyway, that's actually what I use in my kitchen. Oh, Gemini. Yep. Okay. Do you like it? It's fine. Okay. It's fine. All right. Yeah. All right. So Hui, you've got the next question. I hope that helps, right. Jeff. Yes, and this question is from Mark Schmidt, and Mark is a Patreon. Hey, and my dad. Hey, (laughs) dad, what are you doing? Um, So, so this is actually the second question from Mark. He he had a a first one. We'll 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 get to that later. On one of the kitchen tables that I made, I used mortise and tenon joinery, which turned out well with everything plumb, and then to make sure it was strong, I also put in a corner brace cut at 45 degrees, screwed into the skirt on each side, and then ran a 
uh, cabinet screw through the corner brace into the leg. I left a small gap about a sixteenth of an inch between the corner brace and the leg. When I tightened up the braces, the legs splayed out a little bit, making them not quite plumb. My concern with seeing the leg move is that I may have stressed the tenons, although I didn't hear any cracking. Is the best practice to omit this corner bracing when doing mortise and tenon tables? Well, Mark, it sounds like you've got an apron on the table and you put that corner brace between the aprons and then went through that corner brace at about a 45 degree angle into the leg. I don't think that's very necessary. Uh, most of the corner braces that I've seen on apron tables uh, deal with tables that are coming uh, packaged, flat packed. And, uh, you know, there's some type of loose tenon or some type of dowels or whatnot that are going from the apron into the leg. And then that corner bracket is attached to attach everything and then tighten every, excuse me, I got the hiccups, tighten everything up. Uh, I really don't think if you did mortise and tenon joinery for the table that you really need that. I think, I think it's going to be plenty strong. Um, and in fact, actually, I think in, in your situation, I probably would remove it because obviously torquing down on that corner brace um, has caused it to come out of plumb. Uh, in terms of the strength of the tenon now that you did put that corner brace in there, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know because I don't see it in front of me uh, how much it actually slipped. Uh, Guy, what do you what, what do you think here? Do you think, you know, he needs to like maybe undo it and and redo those mortise and tenons or, or, or try to take it apart and see if whether or not and inspect it? What do you what do you think? I, I think he's going to be fine. I, I use corner braces all the time. Really? Constantly. Yeah. When you build 12 foot long tables that yeah. are four okay. feet wide with inch and a half thick tops. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I, I use corner braces all the time, but I don't, I don't tie that corner, what I call gusset into the leg. Mm. I tie it into the apron Aprons, and it's yeah. usually just pocket screws. I don't even mm -hmm, put glue mm -hmm. in it. I just pocket screw it in and put it right yep. in the sides. Uh, mm -hmm. And I clamp it all up beforehand. So it gets in there nice and tight. It's just mm -hmm, to help mm -hmm. prevent the, 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 the whole thing from racking as much. Uh, mm -hmm. It does help quite a bit. If he's already put that on there and it's already all glued up and everything, I would just mm -hmm. leave it. Okay. To be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, it really depends on how big the table is, but it doesn't sound like it's a, a table like we deal with at work, which is a 12 yeah, foot so long, 12 or 14 so foot long table. It's 70, 72 inches by 42 inches, I think. Okay. So it's pretty okay. standard, almost a, uh, what you would consider a standard size dining room table. Yeah. So it, it should, it should be fine. The only thing that, that you're going to deal with is you're going to know that leg is out of plumb mark. Mm -hmm. And it will drive you insane <laughs> for the rest of your days. <laughs> so I'm just preparing you for that. Brian, yeah. what yeah. kind of so, advice can you give dear old dad? Well, dad, um, this is a table that he built for my brother and his wife for their uh, new, well, new to them house. The house is 125 years old, but yeah. um, it's a beautiful table. It's made out of quarter sawn white oak Ooh. and he the beefy tenons um, going into the mortise on these, on these legs. And um, 
Yeah, I would. I like the idea of keeping the corner brace for mm-hmm. racking, but not not going through it and in, into the leg, just attaching it uh, to to the apron or to the skirt, um, mm-hmm. just to just to kind of hold square. Although, is it is it really going to move that much? Do you think, guy? Even on like one of the tables we build at work, I mean, are you going to have? Or if you're well, using mortise well, and tenon joinery, is it going to really? Is it going to be prone to that much racking or with that type of joinery, is it typically going to hold itself square? Well, your, your, your father, Mark's table is built using Morris and tenons. Yep. When I do the stuff at work, the salespeople don't like to sell anything with an apron. So I get orders for 12 foot table with an inch and a half thick top. That's 48 inches wide. The top mm-hmm. weighs three, 400 pounds, and yeah. they expect me to just screw four-inch post legs to the bottom of the table. I, this, is not, this is not a joke. <laughs> I, I, I designed four tables like this today, four of them. Hmm. So that's a case where we have to go back to the salespeople and we got to spend the next week finagling it around and usually what happens is i'm allowed to put like a two or three inch apron on it and we don't cut mortise and tenons we use dominoes Mm -hmm. so i'm usually putting one domino in there it's a it's a 12 millimeter domino and it may be 100 millimeters long but still i'm only putting one domino in there so i've got to use those those Mm -hmm. gussets to help with that makes sense and that is that is nine out of the 10 really big tables we build that have wooden bases. They're all the same. They sell wooden post legs with no aprons and say, Oh, you can't make this work. No, just like I couldn't make it work the last 30 times you asked. <laughs> so I've, uh, the only time I've used uh, corner brackets was when I was building the dining chairs. And so just, just like you guys, yeah, they're just, they're really just pocket screwed in there and just to prevent the racking of that corner. Yeah. So, um, all right. There you well, go. I, I hope that helps, Mark. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who's got the next question? It's Brian. Brian. All right. That's me. And this one is from Nicholas. Nicholas says, Hey, guys, love the podcast. I have been listening for a while now, and here you need some questions. Well, Nicholas, you are correct. And thank you to all of our listeners who have so generously responded with questions. We've got enough to to carry us through the year, but keep them coming. Yes, um, please do. Please do. Yeah. What has been your favorite thing to build and why? Something you've built in the past or even something you would like to build in the future. Please share how you built it or want to build it and what it was or will be enjoyable about the project. Thanks for all the great content and hopefully I'll bring some more specific questions in the near future, Nicholas. Nicholas, actually, I think that's a, that's a great question. And mm-hmm. for me, the favorite thing I've ever built was, it was a box that I built for my mom for Christmas in 2021. And a little bit about my mom. She is, hi mom. She is a lovely woman and a lovely baker and the best grandma uh, to grace this planet. And one of the things she does as a grandma is she loves playing Skippo with uh, her grandkids. So with playing my boys, Skippo. Skippo card game. Oh, don't know it. Yeah, it's a yeah card game. Okay. And um, 
so they've played Skippo for years and years and years, right? And um, the the old Skippo deck, that's the same Skippo cards that we used when I was a kid, um, just the, the little box is falling apart. I'm going somewhere with this. It's long winded. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> so, to, to, so, so I set out uh, the Christmas before last to build the most over-the-top um, Skippo card-holding box of all time. And this thing, and you could have built something that was eight inches long, four inches wide and an inch and a half tall. And it would have held all the cards. The box I built was like 18 inches wide, 10 inches deep and eight inches tall. But it had, I built individual trays to hold all of the discard piles as well as your stockpile of cards. So (laughs) these trays nest down into the box I veneered, I tried, it was a, it was a veneer test project for me. So it was the first time really working with veneer. So almost everything was veneered. I did a four corner grain match off of this huge curly maple board that I had. It was a eight or nine inch or nine or 10 inch board to start. I came down to eight inches wide, but I was able to get a four corner grain match out of it. And, um, with some technique that guy had taught me was able to inlay purple heart into the mm. into the lid around a curly walnut veneer for the for the top there. Um, first time doing the type of hinges that I ended up using on that, which weren't all that complicated or fancy, but the whole thing really came together in a, in a fun way. And she's um, she really liked it, and it's something that houses more than just Skippo cards. Now there's a there's sort of a, a, a tray in there that also houses those cards as well as a couple regular decks of cards and other small dice games. So it's become sort of the game box that sits on their console table uh, in their living room. So what it, what, I lo- what I like about that though, and really what I like about any woodworking project that I'm doing for, for family or for my wife or friends is anytime you get an opportunity to spend time on something and every time you're working on it, you're thinking about that person and what you love about that person or appreciate about that person. To me, that's that's some of the richness of woodworking that I really enjoy. Just being able mm-hmm. to kind of put your heart into that and, mm-hmm. um, you know, really just, yeah, pouring yourself into a project, you know, out of appreciation for somebody else and to be able to, to then gift that over to them is is something that I find really, really rewarding. So that's that's the favorite thing I've built and that's why. Cool. Cool. Ooh, I, you know, it's hard to say. Because whatever it is that I'm working on at the moment is really what I kind of very similar to you, Brian. It's it's whatever it is that I'm working on. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm kind of pouring myself into it. Mm-hmm. And really, right now, it's it's the project that I'm working on right now. It's a, a china cabinet. And it's it's kind of neat because I'm trying to make it look like an already existing china cabinet that a very, very good craftsperson had made. Uh, and they did an amazing job. And so, you know, I'm trying to replicate his quality of work. And that's really exciting to me because I get to see what this this person did an amazing job doing. And I'm trying to do it just as well as he did. And yeah, I, I'm just I'm digging it. I'm getting to work with a whole bunch of air dried walnut, which is Ooh, absolutely gorgeous. Really nice. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. Um and uh, and it's actually lumber that this guy harvested. So it, it's oh, wow. it's kind of really neat because I'm kind of getting to see into this person's world what it is that he had done for a very very long time. So yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying that right now. 
not getting very far right now, but you know, (laughs) milling up lumber. That's about it. But I'm looking forward to it. Guy, I know you've got a huge list of projects that you've done. What's Uh, what's what projects has really stood out to you? I I don't know if I have a, a, a favorite project that I that I built or anything like that. I know what I like to build. And I know this sounds very simplistic. I like making boxes. Mm-hmm. I've made a ton of boxes, hundreds of boxes. And the main reason is, it to me, the, 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 the woodworking thing, if I do it now, I want to do it to relax. And even mm-hmm. in the past, I do it to relax. If I'm building a project for somebody or something for the house or whatever, there's a certain amount of stress involved in it. Not huge amounts, but there's always a little bit of stress. Well, I'm making a box. I don't even know why I make them. I, st- I still have in my office here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight boxes sitting behind me in the entertainment center in our in our family room. Uh, there's another five or six and I give away probably 10 to 15 a year. So I just enjoy doing it because it's, for me, it's, it's uh, very relaxing. I don't have to think about it that much. I build the same box almost every time. Mm -hmm. It's not like I come up with these crazy, interesting designs. They're just, square boxes they're all the same size they're four inches deep six inches wide eight inches long i get a little crazy with the poles sometimes that's about it yeah um yeah i build boxes hey boxes. i love boxes i love boxes too is there anything that you guys want to build that is on your bucket list just give me one item. Brian? I want to build a kind of a mid-century and modern-inspired credenza. Okay. Brian? Oh, no. Did I steal yours? Remember, I actually talked yeah, to you we about, talked, we talked we about, talked about this, right? Because uh, my wife wanted something very similar, and I got really excited about designing it. Unfortunately, I've got to build this china hutch first, but yeah. I actually talked to you about this. And so, yeah. yeah, well, I guess we're like minds, right? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to rip your design there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, don't use the cock beating. <laughs> You're not allowed. <laughs> Mine would be very uh, simple. Keep it, keep it clean, Huey. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, what about you, what, guy? What about you, Hui? I already said this, this is a very similar. It was a, it's the same uh, thing. I, that's that's a cop it really is. Okay, all right. Okay, well. I want to build a credenza. <laughs> you already did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I've built a lot of credenzas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I really have anything I, I'm, I'd be excited to build. I, You know, before I was not able, I, I didn't really want to go into the shop very much because I was doing so much woodworking during the week. But now they won't let me back out into the shop at work for some unknown reason. Maybe Brian knows. Um, but I'm just in the office all the time. And now I want to go back out in the shop. So. Uh, maybe I'll get a little bit more woodworking done in the future at home. 
Mm. Do such a nice job in the office. I can't yeah, can't bear the thought of letting you out of there. That's what it is. Yeah. My wife asked me how I how I how I'm doing tonight. I said I'm fine, except my ass hurts. She goes, What do you mean? I said, I'm sitting my I'm sitting on my ass all day. It hurts. I mean physically, my butt hurts. I'm sitting all day. I'm not used to it. Yeah, just don't let it get calloused. That's not good. No, no. So all right, I think I've got the last question. Yes. Yep. Let's mm-hmm. see if I could find it. Oh, okay, here it is. This is from John Moak. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, fellas, I found the podcast a few months ago, and I've been really enjoying it. Thanks for the great content and knowledge. I am a very novice, very much a novice woodworker, so I have lots of questions. Sounds like you need questions. I would love some answers. So maybe you can, y'all can come out on top here. Probably me more than you. Well, you're probably right about that one. So here's this question. I have a little doweling jig, I think, from Rockler. It gets the job done, but just barely. Hmm. I would really like to upgrade to something that is more efficient, but more importantly, that is more versatile. I want something with adjustable height and that can do acute angles. I would love a domino, but it's out of my price range right now. I saw that Grizzly, Triton, and Mafel all make a doweling joiner similar to a domino. Yes, one of these things is not like the other. True. The Mafel looks incredible, but it costs more than the Domino. The mm-hmm. Triton and Grizzly look fine and are reasonably priced, but the reviews tell me they probably aren't worth spending the money. Mm-hmm. The Dowlmax system looks great, but it only does 90 and 45, and you have to buy the 45-degree adapter plate. After all mm-hmm. that, I might as well save a little longer and get the Domino. My question is, after all that, my question is, should I risk it with the Triton? get a biscuit joiner, which I'm worried it won't have enough strength for certain applications, or just keep saving and get a, a domino down the road? Or is there another product I don't know about? Thanks. Happy New Year, John Moke. Well, I'm going to answer this question the best I can. And I am going to say, don't bother with any of the dowling systems unless you're going to get the Mafel. Because the mm. Grizzly and the Triton, I don't want to say are junk, but okay, they're junk. Um, if anybody listening out there has one of these, you will. I I think you're going to agree with me. I used a Grizzly once, and mm. it was almost laughable. It was so mm. bad. Uh, and I know a couple people that had the Triton, and they weren't very happy with it either. Yeah. The Dalmax is a great system. It's highly accurate. It's well machined and will do you well. But it's also really expensive for just a dowling jig. Um, if you don't want to swing that, actually, I'd suggest getting a biscuit joiner. Biscuits get a bad rap for not being strong. I tend to disagree with that. I mean, I bought a biscuit joiner in, I think it was 1990, maybe 1991. I still have that biscuit joiner. That's what the original DeWalt. And I have a lot of furniture out there that's all still holding up very well with nothing mm-hmm. but dominoes. It works very well. I still use biscuits more nothing than I use dominoes yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. 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 Um at work, we use 
biscuits all the time. I mean, constantly. Um, so get a good biscuit joiner. I, I think about the the one I, I'd recommend if you're not going to get the uh, Lamello, which is about $700, uh, is the Makita. Makita, yeah. Uh, it's about the next best option out there. So that's what I heard. What, what, yeah. what, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I I subscribe to the buy once, cry once mm. uh, school of thought. And I would, you know, if the thing that you buy now isn't isn't the right thing for you, you know, if you're if you're trying to, you know, split the difference between what you have now and a domino and get a Tritoner or a Grizzly, and it's not gonna, and if you don't think it's gonna be quality and serve your needs well, I would, I would not spend the money on it. And I would save up for the domino. Um, if, if that's something that makes sense for you and your budget long-term, um, guy, do you have something you want to add there? Yeah. You got to remember the domino will not do acute angles Mm. unless you're using the little four by 20 millimeter dominoes. You're better Mm. off just using biscuits. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll get more mm-hmm. surface area out of it, and they're a lot more forgiving than dominoes are. Yeah. I just thought yeah. I'd throw remind you of that. He says acute angles. You're not doing yeah. that with dominoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would. Yeah, I would. I I think the biscuit joiner is is, is a sound idea. I mean, certainly there are applications where you're not going to get strength out of it, but I think there there are a ton of applications there are more applications where it's a great tool than than those where it isn't yeah 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 so uh with regards to the dowling jig that i believe john has the rockler one it it, it's it looks very much like a um almost like the you know twenty dollar pocket hole jig kind of thing that gets clamped on uh if you're wanting to stay the dowel the dowel route. And I think dowels are a very strong joint. They're a very reliable joint. They've been used for a very, very long time. Maybe also look into the Jessen doweling jig. That's a little bit more, but it's not as expensive or nearly as as expensive. And it's also not as uh, precisely machined as the dowel max, but I think it is a good medium for the, uh, for the intermediary, right? So for now, how much to is get that? to, uh, it's about one hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, that's I'm all. looking here. Yeah, that's Lee Valley all. Tools. That's all. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's about you know five eggs. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm ouch! No, we're joking. We're joking. Um, not really. Not really. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but enough. yeah, check out the Jessam Dowling jig. It might be a good interim, and it might be a tool that you'd be surprised. You'd probably still use even once you upgrade to. Uh, a domino or a lamello or bis- whatever biscuit joiner. But I, I do have to agree with you, Guy. I mean, I use the biscuit joiner a lot, and I love it. It's fast. It's accurate. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm reaching for that more so than I'm reaching for my domino as of late, and I think that it's plenty strong. I mean, you could use it for aprons to a leg, you know? Sure. You, you know, double them up. It's fine. You know, it's it's going to be strong enough. Um, but yeah, ch- you know, check out the Dowel Max, uh, no, excuse me, the 
Jessam Dowling Jake. Does that, it might does that do angles like he wants it to, though? So in order to do angles, particularly acute angles, like, like what he's talking about, you'd probably have to create some type of uh, platform, angled platform for it to, yeah. to be able to clamp it down. I know what the... Again, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say with the with the biscuits, mm-hmm. even if you don't get a lamello, if you go to their website, they have a guide on there that you mm-hmm. can punch in what angle you're trying to do, and it'll tell you what size biscuit to use mm. and where to place it in there to give you the best strength so it'll i do, did not know they have yeah i'll have to check that out venture you have a lamella biscuit joiner don't you i do did yeah. you come with the wheel no i don't have a zeta uh a, a but the zeta biscuit key. didn't come with the wheel the biscuit joiner Mm-mm. no no but, well. but i'll I'm, yeah well uh yeah so i'll have to i'll have to look that up <laughs> yeah but on, the, on their website they have a configurator okay all right, cool. That you can check that, that you can use to, to help with those angles. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's it. That's all I've got. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for that info. I'll, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. So, all right. I guess that was it for our questions. Let's talk about, this is the time of our podcast where we talk about what we've got going on in our shops. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound like a robot there. Um <laughs> Brian, what do you got going on in your shop? I'm I am looking at a workbench that is ready to be finish assembly and uh, and finish applied. So all of my my entire base assembly is done. I, I drawboard the mortise and tenons for all the all the apron parts and um, everything's sanded and. Uh, it's I'm attaching my bench to the or the the base to the top using uh, dowels as the big big beefy dowels to to reference and mm-hmm. to transfer some of that that load when I'm working on the top and that's all done and it's all it all fits and yeah should have by the end of the weekend should have it finish cure or starting to cure and um, be able to use it before too long. Did you decide on a vice? You're going to use the older vice that you had. I'm going to stick with the older vice for right now. And I went down, I went down a rabbit trail on the bench crafted website this weekend. And I don't know. They say, they say the tail vice should actually be, if they had to choose one vice that they would choose a tail vice. And I was like, well, I wish I would have thought of that when I was <laughs> putting the top together because I did not, I did not design it for that. But um, uh, I think I'm you'll gonna, be all right. I'm going to use it. I'm going to figure out what it can't do, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll adapt to that. So, yeah, that's steady with my What kind of finish are you going to put on it? Well, I <laughs> am going to stick with the. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to stick with the Danish oil. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. talked about it earlier and yeah. uh, a boil, kind of a, a diluted boiled linseed oil was one recommendation that that guy provided, but I've already, I've already got some Danish oil and I'm, I'm just going to put that on the no, top. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what do you awesome, got going man. on Hui, other than your China cabinet or just the China cabinet? Well, I, 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 all I have for the China cabinet is I've got it initially milled right now. It's just resting in my shop for a little bit. The, the, the wood that I've, 
initially milled and it's got to get down to about an inch. Um, but I did because I had to figure out how the heck I was going to transfer this large cabinet from my workbench to the ground. So I bought a hydraulic scissor lift. Oh, I think that's what it's called. And I, and I built a workbench on top of it. So it has like the little dog holes and everything. And I actually even made a cavity so I can stick my shop back in there. So when I'm like hand sanding, I can turn on the shop back and all this dust goes. Anyway, I'm really, as you can tell, I'm very excited about it, but um, obviously, obviously you've got a lot of spare cash laying around for, (laughs) for expensive baubles like this. Ah, cheap scissor lift, man. It was an open package at Harbor Freight. <laughs> hundred bucks. <laughs> oh, it's only a hundred dollars. Well, I mean, you know, it's not cheap, but like I'm I'm pretty happy that that I was able to get, you know, this five hundred pound scissor lift capacity for, for like a hundred bucks. I'm pretty proud of myself for, for finding that. So. Yeah. So what did you what did you make that auxiliary top out of? Uh is this just uh uh three quarter inch HDF. I got HDF from the uh, Worth Wood Group. Uh, you know, they sell plywood uh, close to me. Uh, and I, I, I was able to get uh, my hands on some HDF. So it's a little bit heavier. Yeah. Very How heavy, much is actually. that a sheet? 60 bucks. Oh, it's not bad. Not yeah. Bad. It, and it was $40 for the MDF. I yeah. said, ah, you know what? Give me the give me the HDF. Sure. Um, why not? You only love yeah. ones. It's only $20. <laughs> it's right. only a half dozen eggs. It's only a half dozen eggs. <laughs> No, literally, it's like about a half dozen eggs. Um, yeah, so I, I got the HDF and I doubled that up. Is right. what I have for the auxiliary top. Guy, right. what do you got going on, man? I'm I'm getting ready this weekend to install my new staircase. So I sprayed all the parts this last weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty much it. Spraying for me is pretty easy. I mean, I go out there, I spray for half an hour. I walk away for an hour. I go out there and spend, I spend more time sanding down than I actually do the spraying when you're doing that type of finish. So I put, ended up putting five coats on in two days. For all water-based the poly? No. Uh, water-based poly? Water, water-based conversion varnish. Oh, okay. Um, satin. So uh, that was from a gallon I bought in September that I just opened because I knew I was going to need it. And I don't want to get it when it's, you know, it was 15 degrees was the high today here. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And this weekend I get to install all of it. Yay. Nice. Nice. I'd like to hire somebody to do it actually, but yeah, maybe I don't, I don't have whose kind of money laying around. What? I probably would install it myself. Yeah, Luke, Luke will do it. <laughs> Is Luke your son? No, no. Oh. He's one of the guys. Are, yeah, oh, gotcha. he's, our, he's our he's our floor leader. He's a magician. He makes oh, really? makes all the magic happen. Yeah, yeah. Do you d- does uh, uh, Indie PD uh, uh, do floor, floor installs? No, no, no. We. Uh, we 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 do not have installation capabilities, so that's www.pdnd.com for anybody interested in learning more about purposeful design. There you go. Nice <laughs> nice nice segue there, Brian. Nice plug. Nice plug. Yeah. So 
I think that's going to do it. And we'd like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us in the search rankings. And of course, we appreciate the support and feedback. Please remember this podcast is here to answer your questions. So if you have any, send them to the, our podcast here at woodshoplifepodcast.com. There's a submit page for the questions. Just send it along. Or you can DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And you can reach me just by typing in Guy's Woodshop into your Google search engine thingy, and all my stuff will come up. Hui, where can you be found at? You know, I'm going to say the same thing. You can find me by doing a Google search for Alabama Woodworker, right. and everything will, will show up. Brian? Brian, you got two weeks, buddy. You got two uh, weeks. The time, the time of reckoning has come. You can find me on simplecove.com oh. at Brian Schmidt. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Right. I will I'll post I'll post I'm gonna I'm gonna start trying to uh to post some of my projects out there and that way it'll be it'll serve it'll serve a couple purposes. I then I can easily find stuff um by project and uh yeah. No, it's a good that's a good choice. That's a that's yeah. Brian or uh, Brian. Sean's. Uh, Sean runs a really good website over there. So Yeah, it's yeah. really good. All right. So that's gonna do it, and we'll see you guys in a few weeks. All right. All right. See you guys. See you.